Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We can exhort you. We magnify, Lord, your holy name. We appreciate you this day, God, for who you are unto us, for your love. In your spirit, we magnify your name. God, again, we come to you. You created the world with your word, and you're sustaining the world with your word. So your word is life and spirit. We're demanding God that grant us insight right now into your word, even as we consider the things that you have for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so... This is going to be part three of what we are looking at and the new creation. What does it really mean when we talk about the new creation? I have told us here before, we have a lot of this going on. We have people talk about new creation. All of them have light in that sense. Somebody spoke to me up late and said, man, we are just beginning to get the reality of what new creation is. As yes, in our generation, God is giving us insight. And those who spoke about it in time past, they also have insight in their season. And God works in season, God's in times. And any time God is moving, and God, you know, in the in course of the, the issue of redemption, He reveals Himself the more. Greater revelation keep coming on a daily basis. That's why you can't be stuck with the world. You can't be stuck with what you get to know before. You have to keep moving. You have to keep studying because on every day, the God keeps bringing something fresh to your mind as you study the world and listen to the text. Hallelujah. All right. So this part three, and then our text primarily is Psalm 102, and look at verse 16 to 17, and then 2 Corinthians 12. So, uh, first Simon, the book of Psalm 102, and the word says, verse 16, When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Hallelujah. He shall appear in his glory. I want you to note that. And then when you go to verse 17, he says, He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayers. But verse 18 is the key thing. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people that shall be created shall praise the Lord. So God is bringing forth a creation that will bring honor and glory unto his name. Hallelujah. We are talking about the people that have never been in existence before. Help me, Lord. People that have never existed. People that men have never seen. God is bringing forth a new people, a new crop of people on the face of the earth. He called them the new creation. It has to do with a new identity that is given to them. Hallelujah. So when he says, the people which shall be created, basically this speaks about the Gentiles, you and I, who are coming into the fold. Amen. The people that shall be created, the Gentiles which shall be brought to the knowledge of salvation of Christ. This often seen that the conversation of the soul, the conversion of the soul, like I said before, to God is represented as a new creation. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So, I want you to get that. That for me is so strong. Almost some 15 years ago when the Lord shared this particular passage with me, I kept meditating on it. The people that shall be created shall praise the Lord. 
That means people are going to be on the face of the earth whose life will be a praise unto God. Wherever they find themselves, it will be an honor unto the Lord. And God is saying, when I want to build Zion, which I have to do with the church, I'm going to appear in my glory. So that makes us a glory people. We are a people of God. He appearing in His glory. He's building us with and in His glory. Amen? Alright. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet not henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen? All things are passed away, all things are become new. We said it extensively. You have no Christ just being you, you also have to be in Christ. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. If Christ is in you, is the hope of glory. You need to understand what we're talking about. Amen? So you have Christ in you, and you have, you have to also be where? In Christ. So again, I keep saying, Christ is an environment where you live. For the scriptures say, in Him we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. So I want you to gather, because it's very, very important. It's very critical you understand what I'm talking about in relation to a new creation. It's not just another lingo, like I said before. It's not just another terminology that Christians have to run by. No, we're talking about a life. We're talking about a nation. We're talking about a people. A people of glory. A people of praise. A people of honor. Hallelujah. So the new creation, like I said, are those who are being created are new into and in Christ. They are new. They have never been seen on the face of the earth before. Until Christ came. Right from the moment Christ came, His Spirit began to be unveiled. A new people began to come upon the face of the earth. Praise the living God. Amen. Again, I told us, we read in the book of First Peter. You can take time, you don't have it. But First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9 from the message translation. This is what it says. But they are the chosen, I mean, the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of His priestly walk. He chose him for priestly work. And I try to explain to you, a priest is one that stands the gap for other people. A priest is one that reconciles other men back to God. So when the Bible talks about we receiving the means of reconciliation, we function as priests on the earth. Is that okay? That is to say, through us, God is meant to get people come to his knowledge, come to his faith, come to his wisdom, come to the place of rejoicing again that they have gotten reconciliation between them and God. Because right from when Adam fell, know the story very well, there was a division, there was an enmity between God and man. So, but when Jesus came, there's a reconciliation through the blood. And become a new people on the face of the earth. Not just Jewish people now. Praise the Lord. So he said, you're chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day of the friends he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Hallelujah. From rejected to accepted. A new people. A crop of people. That have come, just God just raised in them. And I try to make us understand. You didn't just give your life to God. God called you all by himself. You see, the mind to become a believer... It's not yours. It's God that gave you that mind. It's God that gave you that spirit. It's God that impressing your heart, the need for you 
to come back to him. It's just like a prodigal son. God works something up in your heart. And then you begin to come back to God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So he said you are a chosen generation. And I said the title formally after was given to the whole Jewish church. The early church, God called them a chosen people. That is to say to all the Israelites without exception. All who were in the covenant of God by circumcision, whereby they were holy persons before God. They were all called holy people, chosen generation. And this title is what God has given to his church today. Why? Because he's pulling you from the wall, just like he pulled children of Israel from Egypt. And when he came out of Egypt, he got a new people for himself. I'm going to show you something along that line. Praise the Lord. Okay. So the Israelites were chosen or elected raised to be a special people unto the Lord God above all the people that were upon the face of the earth. This is very important. You turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse number 6. A peculiar unique people on the face of the earth. You know where, what Israel was unto God. Deuteronomy 7 verse number 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. The Lord God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself. Now, not just that, but above all people on the face of the earth. That was what God did for Israel. And let us make understand, I mentioned that the other time. Israel seems to be the smallest of all nations, but it's dynamic. Why? Because God is in their midst. Is that okay? Right. So if God chose you, God picked you to himself, there are, there are things that he begins to work out in your life that make you very unique. He's doing that to use you to demonstrate his person on the face of the earth. He's using that to use you to reveal the things that men have never seen. So God chose Israel, not because they were the largest in number, but because he wanted to use them. Why? Because he used what he called the foolish kingdom of this world to confirm the wise. He wants to use the people that are rejected to display his glory. That is the point. Why do you think Jesus was not born in Jerusalem? That was the capital of their religious system. That was the major city. Why do you think he has to be born in an obscure community for God to demonstrate the fact that he is not coming from that which is popular, that which is known, that which is highly respected among men, even the religious cycle. He coming from a dimension of lowliness. You know, that's where there's a need for you to be a humble person for God to be able to minister to you. God is not actually dealing with the proud people. He's dealing with the very low level people. Those who are insignificant, do I go make them to become significant. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright, so this were a royal people, this were a holy nation, very peculiar. He chose them from among the nations. I want you to pick that because it's very, very critical. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, let's look at the next thing here. And he didn't just choose them in that way. What is most important again is he made them a kingdom of priests. I said that last week as well. But let's just look at it. Exodus 19 verse number 5. Exodus 19, verse number 5, the Bible says, Now therefore, if ye, be, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then it shall be a peculiar people, but it's time to say a peculiar treasure above, that's unto me, 
above all people, for all the earth is mine. Listen closely. If only you will obey, if only you follow, if only you keep on covenant, you'll be what? A peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6 says, And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And that made us understand that even through the blood of Jesus, he has made up priests and kings. Amen? you find out in the book of Revelation 1, verse number 5 and 6. And then also you can go to the book of uh, same Revelation uh, 5, 10. You'll be able to see that precisely how the Bible says he made us prince and kings through his blood. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So through the sacrifice of Jesus, we've made prince and kings. A unique people unto God. And I try to emphasize the need for you to live by your uniqueness. The need for you to demonstrate your uniqueness before man on the face of the earth. There is something about you that is very peculiar. There is something about you that is very unique. There is something about you that God cherishes. There is a treasure in your life that God has embedded in your spirit. And he wants you to live it out. He wants you to manifest it wherever you find yourself. You are a unique person. You are a peculiar person. You are very different from all other people. Because you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. Praise the living God. So they were also peculiar people. What that really means is a purchased people. When it's a peculiar in the original Hebrew, it means a purchased people. And so that is very, very accurate because we purchase with his blood. A purchased people on the face of the earth. God purchased you for himself. Praise the living God. That's what it means. Now, it speaks of a private property. And I like this. We belong to God Almighty. What he's trying to say is, You've been called to him. You become his private property. And now I want you to imagine that single world or understand what it means to be a personal property to someone. You own a car, for instance. That's your property. You will not allow anybody to come and vandalize your car. You put security system in your car. If anybody touches the car, the alarm goes off. You have your television. You don't want your children to just mess with it. You're trying to put value in all of this thing. That's why I don't want anybody to mess with it. Is that okay? Are you with me? And that's what the Bible is telling us here. We are personal properties unto God. And if you are personal property unto God, invariably God is going to protect what belongs to Him. That's why God is always out to protect you. Because you are a personal property unto Him. He purchased you with His blood. The value of your life is directly connected to the amount God paid for you to be bought over. Are you following what I'm saying? So you are unique to God. You are a personal property to God. I'm describing what is called the new creation. You are a personal property unto God. You are unique to God. You are value to God. Now, that's why God cannot allow any stupid devil to mess you up. He's not going to allow any spirit, strange spirit to mess you up. Because you are peculiar to him. But the point is this. You've got to know this yourself. That I'm unique. I'm peculiar to God. God has so called me to himself. God purchased me with his blood. He made me unique by way of the purchase that he has made. I'm a property unto God. I belong to God. God watches over me because I'm of a value to God. Amen? Are you here with me? Remember what he was doing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says he rebuked kings for their sake. How many of you remember that? You remember the story in Genesis chapter 20? How, for instance, 
Abimelech was to have Sarah. And God came in and wanted to plague the family. Get that right. Why? Because Abraham was peculiar to God. He has to defend his property. God defends his property anytime, anywhere. I'm saying that's why he will not allow the devil to mess you up. He will not allow anybody to mess up your life. Because you belong to him as a personal property. This is the value of your new creation. Are you following me? So, listen. Abraham wasn't praying before God did what he did. Right? Remember when Laban, Laban was following up with Jacob when he was leaving. The God appeared to Laban and he told him, hey, you better listen. When you come to him, say neither yes or no. Don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Are you listening to me? And that's why the Bible says God rebuked kings for their sakes. He rebuked them. Why? Because of a personal property that belongs to God. I want you to see your value as a new creation. You come to the place of realizing that I'm so much of a property unto God and God is not going to allow his property to be messed up or destroyed in any way. You are a personal property unto God. God purchased you with his blood. And that fact means you how important, how valuable you are, not only before God, but as an individual. You must see your value as that which is purchased by God. Knowing that because he purchased you, he will not allow anything to destroy your life. So I'm saying to you, you are free. Hallelujah. Why? Because God watches over you. Let me move on. There's something I'm going to read later. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. So, just like the Hebrews belong to God, the Jewish people belong to God, that's exactly what it is to us. And I tried to make you understand the other time when he called them Israel. I said, what is important about Israel? He said, you're a prince of God. Amen. What was the purpose of God calling and creating and raising these people? That through them, He would reveal His glory. Hallelujah. So, we talk about revealing the glory of God on the face of the earth. And I was trying to make you see this. Romans chapter 9 verse 3 again. We read that. We continue to read it because there are things that I want to bring out from this particular passage. And uh, we dealt with some of them already. Romans chapter 9 verse number 3. For I could wish that myself we are caused for Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now verse 4 says, Who are Israelites? To whom pertained the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. We've dealt with all of those things, but the one I want us to touch today is the word, the adoption. The adoption. Hallelujah. You watch this, you see that? Who pertinent what? The adoption. So it means we are also adopted. So what does it mean to adopt? I want you to see that again from scriptures in such a manner that you'll be able to understand what the scripture is actually saying. To whom pertinent the adoption. And I want you to get this right. Praise the living God. Okay. So what does it mean to be adopted? What does it mean when God talks about adoption in this context? Let's begin to look at a few things. Now, first of all, I'll make you see this again. A few moments, i just let you see it. Uh, when God talks about adoption, not like the way the Western world adopts people. A little bit it can be close to that, but 
much more beyond that. Oh, my system is really giving me an issue here. Much more beyond that, but I want to show you something. Now, for the Western world, you adopt someone who does not have the same blood relation with you. You are not the same blood. Maybe an orphan, and then you go pick the orphan, bring the orphan to your house. That's a kind of an adoption. Is that okay? Amen? Right. You just bring this individual to your house to stay, and it becomes like your child. But for the Hebrew concept, adoption comes in different ways. For instance, um, the Bible tells us, in case of Jesus Christ, three times the Lord used the word, this is my beloved son. In whom I will please. I've explained that to you sometime. The first place the word was used was at the baptism of Jesus in the river. This is my beloved son. For the Hebrew adoption is God proclaiming that from this day you are mature enough to handle my property, to take care of that which belongs to me. What I mean is, this boy can sign my signature. And if he sign my signature, obey. He can cast my check on my behalf. That's what it means, adoption in Hebrew concepts. Is that alright? Okay, now. When Jesus was told, or when God said, this is my beloved son, he was speaking to Israel on this platform. Everybody got to know that John was a prophet. They recognized him as a prophet. So when he said, this is my beloved son, the woman, I wear, please hear, hear him. What he means to say, you've been hearing John all this while. You've been listening to John as a prophet. But from this moment, he is my son. He's taking the place. He ought to take the place in your heart as John was. So, I'm adopted him today as my prophet. So you've got to understand that. Then, when you go to the book of Matthew chapter 17... You find the same thing. That is when the glory came, Peter, James, and John, and the voice came, This my beloved son, whom I wear, please. That was an adoption into a priesthood. And I explained that to you also. If you take time to study scripture, you find that a priesthood, consecration, takes about six to eight days for the consecration to take place. So when Jesus told them, Some of you standing here shall not taste of death, or you see the Son of Man come in his glory. The Bible says, after six days. Did you get that? Right. So it's about the seventh or the eighth day, he transfigured before them. What I mean is, the revelation of his priesthood was revealed. He was revealed as a priest on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was an adoption. And then you talk about the one that happened in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. He was adopted as a king. So these are the three times. You know, and so you, you find the three ministry of Jesus as a prophet, as a priest, and what? As a king. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's look at adoption here in the book of Romans chapter 9, which we have just read. The adoption. The Israelites are all taken into the family of God, and we are called his sons and firstborn. You find that in Exodus 4 verse number 21. That's what I mean by the adoption. When he said to the Israelites, belong the adoption. The glory, the covenant, the promises. I want to deal with all of this so that you can understand your position as a new creation in God. Hallelujah. So when he used the word adoption, this is what happened. Exodus 4, 21. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, 
And see that thou do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which are put in thy hands. But I will hide in his heart that he shall not let the, let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even what? My firstborn. Hallelujah. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Why? He's bringing them out of the world. He's making them peculiar people. He's making them a unique people before him. So, it's like saying they were the first people that he chose from the rest of mankind. Hallelujah. Now, this title also belongs to you right at this moment. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? We are already a company of the firstborn from among the people of the world. The church of this day is a firstborn unto God from the rest of humanity. Remember, the church is made up of the Jews and Gentiles right at this moment. For anyone that believes it, praise God. So God refers to that as adoption. What he's saying is, I'm taking these people, bringing them to myself, to become peculiar to me, to become my children from the rest of the world. So, one of the uniqueness that you carry today as a new creation is that you are an adopted son of God. You are a son, you are among the company of the four sons of God. Amen? Alright. Now, look at Deuteronomy 14 verse number 1. Look at it. Deuteronomy 14 verse number 1. Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourself, nor make any boundaries between your eyes for the forehead or for the day. For thou art the holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be peculiar people unto himself. Above all the nations that are upon the earth. When he say ye are the children of the Lord. What it means is that this is the very highest character that can be conferred on any created beings. You are my people. You are my children. Now you watch this. We're talking about God calling a set of people his son. It makes it so unique. That title is so important that you begin to picture how important you are before God. Hallelujah. What he's saying is, you are my children, you are my sons, so don't act like the world. For instance, you know, when people die, in those days, you see all manner of things goes on. That you shave, you wear black, you do this, you do that. We don't even know largely why we wear black too, sometimes. We say it's a sign of money. But you see, it was actually a concept, same with what you find using the reeds. You see, they throw flowers, put it on the grave. For those who do it today, you just look at it like, well, it is just what happens. But for the very people that started it, they have to believe that when they put the reed on the grave, the spirit of the dead will not be able to come out. It's trapped there. That's why you do that. Are you following what I'm saying now? That, that was the meaning. Now you put on blood 
so that the spirit of your dead mother can no longer recognize you. These are your traditions. You see what I mean? So you don't eat black so that your, your father who died won't recognize you. Why would your father not recognize you? Are you an enemy to your father? If he recognizes you, he come and talk to you, you should share fellowship. Praise God. So this is what is happening. Now the Lord is saying, you as my children must not be conformed to the tradition of the pagan nation that are around you. Hallelujah. Can you picture this? God is spirit. It's not someone you can see. Now he calls you that can't be seen and say you are my son. That's the highest title that can be conferred on anybody. Is that okay? Truth is this. It's not about you being a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers. Those are just offices. But the highest title you can find in the Bible is sonship. Is that okay? It's the highest title you can find in the Bible. Sonship is the highest. Not pastor, not prophet, not evangelist. Not senior, most highest pastor, whatever. Anything, any of those titles, no. The highest of titles you can find in the Bible is Son of God. Did you get that? So God told you that you are my children, you are my son, you are my father from among the rest of the people. And I'm saying your new creation identity is from the fact that you are a son of God. And that is very unique. From the rest of mankind, God is speaking to you today. You are my son. Amen? And so, if you be a son of God, you become an heir of God. What was the custom among you? Does all those wicked people, like I said before, to do all of those things. Go into Jeremiah 31, verse number 9. Jeremiah 31, verse 9. Bible said, They shall come weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water, in a straight way, talking about Israel, wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. I am a father. Glory to God. Are you there with me? Let me read from the message translation. I just love this scripture. They shall come with weeping. Sorry. Praise the Lord. Watch them come. They will come weeping for joy. Hallelujah. As I take their hands and lead them. They will come weeping for joy. Think about this. God is saying, as a son, I am going to lead you. I am going to guide you. By implication, I will protect you. Have you seen? Think about it. As parents, in the daytime, unconsciously, if you are crossing the road, What's the next thing that happens to your mind? If you remember your child is there, you are going to grab the child by the hand to be able to cross the road. What are you trying to do? You're making sure your child is not hurt. You're making sure a drunken driver don't come and knock down your child. This is what we're talking about. I will take them by the hand. I will lead them by the way. And they will come out of captivity. They will come out of Egypt with joy. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? So lead them to fresh flowing brooks. Lead them along smooth and clutter paths. Yes, because I'm Israel's father. And Ephraim 
is what? My firstborn. Praise the living God. I want you to please understand what we're dealing with here. So, so important for you to understand how God is dealing with you. So when he picked you up from the wall, that's an adoption to himself. And he called you his son. And if God say you are his son, my friend, you need to understand what that means. You are truly a unique person on the face of the earth. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And I believe there's a privilege that goes with that. Even that of leading you. That of protecting you. That of guiding you from all ends. That is why you must hear the Spirit and listen to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. In the night, the Lord woke me up and gave me a particular scripture. And I, was, I just picked my Bible and I was trying to pull down. I wasn't, what is going on there? She didn't know what I was doing, but I was trying to make sure I put down the scripture before I go back to sleep so I don't forget the scripture. You know, and it was, it was a promise that he was making, which he made to the disciples, and say, I will not eat of this again until I eat it with you in the kingdom of my Father. That's a promise he made to me yesterday. Hallelujah. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? This is what it means for you to be a child of God. He leads you. He gives you promises. Why is God sharing that with me? I know. Unique. And I'm not going to say that here. But I know why he was telling me that. I know why he told me what he told me. Praise the living God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? As a child of God, that's one of the privileges that you must have. Hearing God for yourself. Listening and hearing God. God communicating with you. At any particular situation, He comes to you. He speaks to you. He tries to encourage you if you are going down. He, he strengthens you if you are getting weak. No father will want to look onto the child and allow the child. You know, even if you are sick as a child, you know how your parents behave. So every way you respond, when you see the condition of your child, that's the way God responds when He looks at you. Are you following what I'm saying now? You must come to this awareness as a new creation that you are what? A son of God. Male and female, there's no male and female as far as God's kingdom is concerned. You are a child of God. He's there to protect you. He's there to ensure that your joy comes up. He said they're going to come out of Egypt with joy. Because now they find God with their father. And this father is making provision for them. Think about what he did in the wilderness. He gave them manna to eat because they were his children. He gave them injured food that other nations could not eat. I want you to picture Israel from the wilderness, I mean down to Canaan, how he treated them. You just need to go this understanding. And when we were taking them to Canaan, remember what happened? Oh no, help me Lord. When he took them to Canaan, he made sure that the land that was so fruitful was given to his people. He drove out the rest of the people. Why? Because they were involved in other pagan religion. They were involved in other kind of worship. That is why your worship to God must be smooth, clean, and pure. Amen? Praise the Lord. This adoption took place when God made a covenant with them at Horeb. Same thing with us as covenant people. The true identity of a new creation in Mount Zion community in the great year on the day of Pentecost, we are God's sons. That is what happened on the day of Pentecost. You need to understand that. When God was saying, you are my covenant people, he did that on the Mount Horeb when he was giving them the laws. The law were actually the character of God. The laws were the things that God hates and the things he loves. That was just what the law was. And he was saying, he's going to rule this community of people with these laws. 
which spoke of my nature, my character, my attribute, what I want, what I don't want. That's what the law was. Hallelujah. Nothing more than that. You need to think seriously about that. So when God calls you to himself, he's jealous over you. That is why he says you are the apple of his eyes. That's why I say you are jealous before him. That's why he will not allow, I repeat, any enemy, any power to just mess with you. Because you are a child of the most high God. Hallelujah. The next thing he said is, to them particularly glory. What is the glory? The manifestation of God among them. Principally by the cloud and pillar and the Shekinah of the divine presence. Appearing between the cherubim over the message seat. And this is very critical. I'm going to read a scripture on this. This is peculiar to the Jews. No other nation was able to favor. Watch this. God told Israel and said, Build me a tabernacle. Told Moses, Make the ark of shittle wood covered with gold. And that's something very important. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was a box. The box was all gold, but watch this. It was wood that was plated with gold. What God is saying is, you are human, but I clothe you with my divine nature. Did you get that? That is gold. Now he said, I will speak to you from on top of the Ark. That was where the glory was. So he speaks from the place of the glory. If you watch the ark, you have the two cherubim and cherubim having their wings touching each other on top of the ark. In between there was the glory of God. When Moses needed to hear God, he speaks from the place of the glory. He said, I'm going to dwell among you from on top of the ark. You want to talk to me? You can talk to me from there. No nation had that privilege. That's what I'm trying to say. When he said, you're my people. And when he said, you're my sons. When he said... To you, pertaining the glory, it's only Israel that has that ability to see God manifested in glory so that they can hear Him, so that He can talk to them, so that He can lead them. In the daytime, it was a cloud to protect. In the nighttime, it was a cloud to give light. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? This was the glory of God that He experienced. So now, go with me to the book of Psalm 91. I think I would like to read this from... The message translation. King James will say, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That means you come to the place where the glory abides. As sons of God today, this ought to be your experience as well. Listen to what he said. Message translation. You will sit down in the high God's presence. Spend the night in shadows, I mean, in Shaddai's shadow. He that dwelleth in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Is that okay? Say this. God, you are my refuge. That is when you say this. I trust in you. I am saved. Hallelujah. I trust in you. I am saved. When you made this confession, when you come to this place of understanding, when you come to this awareness, that God has not only called you as his son, he's also revealing himself to you in his glory. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps. Shields you from deadly hazards. Hallelujah. He rescues you from what? Deadly traps. And he protects you from deadly hazards. That's what God does. Why? Because you are his son. 
Is that okay? Listen, this passage of scripture in Psalm 91 is not just another passage. This is the true nature, relationship, communion, fellowship that sons have with God himself. Verse 4 says, His huge outstretched arm protect you. Under them you are perfectly saved. Hallelujah. His arms fend of all hands. His hands fend of all hands. Whatever way they want to come. You are protected. You are shielded. And that's the same thing he told Abraham in the book of Genesis. I am your exceedingly reward. I'm your shield and what? Your buckler. I can defend you. You must come to that place to know it. For yourself, as a son of God, that God promised to defend you. And it's going to defend you, no matter what happens. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 5 says, Fear nothing. Can I hear an amen? Not white wolves in the night, nor flying arrows in the day. Fear nothing. Take away fear from your heart. Kill fear from your heart. Whether in the night or in the daytime. You know the kind of prayer we leave? All arrows return to sender. You're saying all of that because you're afraid. Fear just gripped your heart. And so you start praying all of those kind of prayers. But the Bible is saying, God is speaking to you as a son. Fear nothing. Not even what happens in the night. It talks about wolves. Wolves that devour people in the night. Wolves that do all kinds of things. Fear nothing. For I am there to protect you. Hallelujah. I mean, if you remember that the children of Israel were thrown in Babylon into the lion's den. How many of you remember that? Can you picture a situation where the fact that they were thrown there, how can a lion be washing flesh and will not? Lion was sharing fellowship with the children of Israel because God was there and that's what I'm painting. The picture God is painting to us here. He will protect you anytime, anywhere. Hallelujah. Verse 6. No disease that crawls through the darkness. No disaster that arose at high noon. None. No disease. So, God is right. When disease are spreading, you are shielded. There's a protection you have that the world doesn't have. Because you are his son. He shields you off from those diseases. Hallelujah. I remember some years back, I think it's out of it, when Boo Boo Plague was going on. What, John Gillick, I'm sure. Now, this is something that was killing people. But I read and said, John Gillick opened his hand, speaking to his hand, and he speak and the virus will die out. Literally die out. Is that okay? So we're not just, this is no time to be afraid of one thing that is going on. We just need to find ourselves more into the presence of God for His glory to overshadow us. Anybody get what I'm talking about? What about disease or sickness that is coming your way? The Bible says God will shield you from it. So what made people to be afraid? Or not to make you to be afraid? Why? Because you are a firstborn of the Most High God. Hallelujah. No disease approaches through the darkness. Not disaster that I wrote at noonday. Verse 7 says, Even though all that succumb all round, drop like a flesh 
I mean, flashlight, left and right. But that is not going to come your way. You are protected. You are saved. You are rescued. You are shielded. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. We're still talking about the glory of God. All of this I'm just describing is the glory of God. Now, I think I need to begin to round up here. Look at John chapter 1 verse 14. You must understand. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Bible says, And the world was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus was the word of God, right? Jesus is the glory of God. Come to Hebrews chapter 1 verse number 3. Can you get that? Now go to chapter 2 and verse 11 of John. This is when he was invited to the marriage feast of Cana in Galilee. Here the Bible said, there's a beginning of miracles. Did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested for what? His glory. And his disciples believed on him. That means when you begin to experience the glory, you also begin to manifest the glory. Your life is a realm of glory. Did you get that? God wants you to perform some miracles. God wants you to live out some miraculous life. Men are surprised. Diseases killing people around you left and right. You see standing strong. The sickness coming now, the dwelling. You are safe and protected. Oh, people of God. That's a manifestation of the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, you can look at John chapter 11. Verse 39. Here again was a promise that Jesus made to the brothers or the sisters of, of, of the Lazarus who died. And that Jesus said, Take away the stone matter. The sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he sinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Say I not unto thee that if thou would believe, now as you see what? The glory of God. What's that going to be the glory of God? The resurrection of who? Of Lazarus. It's about time you begin to live a miraculous life. Because you also have the glory. The Bible talks about those who, to whom the glory pertained. We partake of the glory. The glory pertained to us. We come into the presence of God. We share in His glory. We live our life manifesting His glory. Wherever we find ourselves, there's a revelation of God's glory. I want to tell you something. The Bible made me to understand if God will accept you, man will accept you. If any time they turn around against you, they always just being jealous. They have no option but being jealous. And the glory of God in your life will cause men to become jealous of your life because you'll be living a supernatural life. You'll be living a life that's enviable. Envious men are beginning to wonder how can she survive this? How can he go this far? How can he possess this? God's glory is not working in somebody's life. Praise the Lord. If thou will believe, that's what he told him. So it appears that faith is alone, faith alone is not. By interest in miraculous and saving power of God in behalf of men. Instead of dogs that just the glory, we read about the dynamis, the power of God. Amen. Let me round up with Isaiah 44, verse number 1. Isaiah 44, verse number 1. Praise the living God. I'm going to stop this just a little bit. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and chart whom I have chosen, 
Now say the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb. Which we have thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. And thou just should on whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Can I hear an amen? And float upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. And my blessing upon the offsprings. And this is what you find in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Can you get it now? This one makes you a new covenant people. What you just read here is what you find in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Praise the living God. The verse 38 said, But he does speak of this thing. I said, talking about John, remember? In John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, from, from his 37, 38, the Bible talks about out of the belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water to them that believe in me. And he was saying, when he said this, then the Holy Spirit had not been what? Had not been given. Praise the living God. That's the water. That's the river. He speaks about the Holy Spirit of God. He is saying, those I'm going to call to myself, they will walk in the light of the Holy Spirit. The power of God will flow through their life. Wherever they find themselves, we are one together. Hallelujah. Amen. So you find that, like I said, Acts chapter 2 verse 17. When it shall, it shall come to pass in the last day, I will do what? I part of my spirit upon what? Our flesh. Hallelujah. I will pour my spirit upon our flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall do what? Dream dreams. And all my servants, and all my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Praise the living God. This is what is promising them in I mean, Isaiah 44, verse number 1, down to 3. I am going to protect you. Fear not. So the spirit of fear should die from your life. Hallelujah. You just got to understand this. I am a new creature. Confess it to yourself. Remember what he said in Psalm 91? Those who say this, I will be to them. Is that okay? As you keep on confessing, I am dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. My shield is God. I am living under the covering of God. You just keep on making that confession. The Bible says, don't be afraid, you Jeshurun. I'm going to lead you to places of dry land and place filled with water. All the dry land shall be filled with water. Rivers shall break forth. You're going to drink and be satisfied. God is making promises of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can do in your life as long as you can put your faith in Him. But you must confess this. You must believe it. What I Paul will say, we speak because what? We believe. Have you come to believe that you're truly a son of God? This is the principle and the very thing that's unique to you being what? A new creature. You are a son of God. And that's the highest title that you can ever find on the face of the earth. To be a son of God. To be a son of the most high God. God made you that when he chose you from the wall. He just speak you to himself and say, well, from this day, I've adopted you. You are my son. Begin to live as a son. Begin to experience your sonship. Begin to walk in your sonship. Begin to manifest your sonship. That's the fullness of sonship. But right at this moment, you are in the place of sonship. Hallelujah. God has begotten you. God has called you to himself. God is saying, I'm going to protect you. God is saying, I'm going to defend you. God is saying, I'm going to make available to you as a son. Whatever thing you're desiring, go to God. Whatever thing you're thinking about, think it right through God and with God. It is your privilege as a son to experience the glory 
of God. It's your privilege as a son to manifest the glory of God. That means your life will begin to become a miraculous life. You live a life that people cannot live. People begin to wonder, how does it happen? How is it happening? What are you doing? That's the way it should be. The Bible tells us that the mountain of the Lord shall extend over the mountains of this world. People say, we're going to go to the Lord. And they're going to ask them, the children of Israel, show us your God. It's about time people begin to wonder how your life is the way it is. It's about time that by the way you live and the very thing that's happening to you, they begin to come to you to say, you tell us how you are doing it. And you make them to understand, I'm doing nothing. I'm just a child of God. If you want to experience what I'm experiencing, become a child of God. You say, I'm not qualified. Say, you are most qualified. God is calling you at this moment. You don't need anything today. You don't need anything. Remember what he said in Isaiah 51? He told us, those of you who are thirsty, who are hunger, come by freely. Water of life and drink. So what is the exchange rate of God? Faith. Do you understand what I'm talking about? God does not use naira, he doesn't use dollar. Somebody say, come and buy. So what do you have to pay to get the freely water? Faith. You need faith. Are you following what I'm talking about? The only exchange commodity, the only medium of exchange that you have to purchase anything from God is what? Faith. As a son, if you live by faith, you can get whatever thing you are supposed to have. The Bible says, those who say, Oh, come on. Remember, I made a promise. They that dwell in the sacred place of the Most High shall do what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He said, Man, things shall fall left and right. Say, With your eyes shall you behold what? The reward of the wicked. Who are the wicked? Men who will not believe God. Praise the living God. So, friends, I want you to understand this. You are a child of God. Live out the glory from this day. Let this glory be manifested in your life. Let his glory be seen in your life. Come on, stand up. I want his glory manifested. I want his glory seen. I want you walk in the place of God's glory. I want you manifest the glory of God. The Bible says this is the beginning of the miracle that Jesus performed and showed for his glory. That means there's a glory in your life. It's about time you begin to manifest the glory of God in your life. Begin to pray. I want you to talk to the Father. I want you to talk to the Father. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.